Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's April 23rd, 2023, and this is episode 103. I'm your host, Jennifer Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. This episode is dedicated, again, to my Disney 100 movie-watching project. The Walt Disney Company is turning 100 this year, and I've selected 100 movies that I'm uh, watching, and uh, I've got a discussion today with two of my good movie friends, Rachel Wagner from Rachel's Reviews and Darren Lundberg from Nostalgicast, who are joining me to talk about some underrated Disney movies, or at least movies that we think are underrated. Uh, it's always a fun conversation with Darren and Rachel, so here we go. Well, I just feel uh, very lucky that I get to talk to two of my favorite movie friends <laughs> and just two, two favorite people. We've got uh, Darren Longberg and Rachel uh, Wagner on the program. Hello. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> Doing great. So glad to be here. Surviving so well, all the wet Disney. weather that we're having. Why? Well, oh the three of us all live in Utah, <laughs> yeah. and and it's been the craziest winter. Didn't we hit the record yes. of the most snow? I saw that since the 80s, like, was the last. We yeah. broke the record in the 80s. What is happening? I thought it was even longer than that, that it was like. It was like 1983, more... wasn't oh, it? Boy. When the record was this one. They had to divert all that water to, in, down State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's depressing no matter what. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I mean, well, it's great. We really need it, especially the Great Salt Lake. Right. But uh, but still. That's enough, it's, that's enough now. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a pain. Snow especially, every day. Especially when I was driving home from Spanish Fork on oh my Friday gosh, night. Rachel. <laughs> it was terrifying. It was the, just like the whole freeway was black ice. Like every, every yeah. time you touched your brakes, it was like, boom, 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 oh. boom. <laughs> like, ah. I, I heard Rachel's story. And then I talked to another oh. friend yesterday who was driving up from a concert from Provo up back up to Solid County and saying, you know, just the same thing. It just sounded it like was, it was the most horrific. Oh, it was really <laughs> scary. I, I was going about 10, 15 miles. Oh, I'm just glad nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. To I was you. Just so happy that I, uh, that I got home. <laughs> oh, so well, I have to drive to work at sometimes four thirty-five o'clock in the morning. So some of these mornings they Ooh. haven't even paved the roads yet. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Darren, you have a heart attack. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. I think we're all about done with winter. I don't think it's done quite done with no. us, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> right. But I'm so happy to have these fellow Utahns and just great friends uh, on the podcast today as a part of just. Uh, my Disney 100 coverage or just, you know, theme for, for this year. Uh, the three of us have picked three films, which we view as, as underrated as far as, as far as Disney goes. So basically I guess there are top three underrated Disney films. So thought this would be fun to maybe talk about some, some titles that, uh, maybe, you know, we haven't thought about for a while or just different titles to, uh, introduce to others or just also just fun, fun it's just fun to talk movies always 
with YouTube. So, yeah. <laughs> so to get started, I just thought let's just we're just going to kind of do a round robin. And Rachel, if we may start with you, what's what's uh, one of the these three films that you've picked as as one of your underrated Disney? Disney films. So the first one that I picked is technically it, it's called Disney's The Kid, but uh, that, that that's the um, uh, the official title. Uh, but it's called The Kid, and I think it's very underrated. It's very uh, I, I don't feel like you ever hear anybody talking about it, and it's like such a good story. Not only because of the characters and the story, the plot, but also for what it makes you think about in your life. Like uh, the whole idea is that you have uh, that you have Bruce Willis as this ad guy. And that's, that is classic. Like if you want a bad man of business in a Hallmark movie or whatever, (laughs) you make him, you make him an advertising. (laughs) 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 Advertising. And, but he also like, he also helps like politicians like rehab their image and stuff like that. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care about other people. He has this kind of girlfriend that he does, that he's rude to. Um, Lily Tomlin is, is great as his secretary. Yeah. She's really funny. Um, and one day he, he, he sees this kid uh, in his house and the, figures out after, uh, after some really funny scenes that it is the, I think 12 year old version of himself. And I think that's a really interesting thought bubble experiment, you know, to think like, what would the 12 year old versions of ourselves think about us? And, and there's a great line, probably the most iconic line of the movie is I, uh, I don't drive, I don't drive a plane. I don't have a wife and I, I don't have a dog. I grew up to be a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you think about like would 12 year old rachel think you know 42 year old rachel is a loser you know and I, I i don't know you know it's an interesting thing to think about and uh it's funny it's very heartwarming of course he kind of comes around to realizing that uh that he needs to shape it up it's kind of almost a christmas carol-esque sort of story and theme of you know this scrooge character that's uh that's shown the error of his ways uh, and uh, emily mortimer is the gr- girlfriend she's really sweet um i don't know i just think it deserves more love as a really good at uh, spencer breslin is the um boy uh i think it's a thoughtful script a entertaining script it's sweet it's funny and uh, Bruce Willis is great working with kids. We know that, you know, for Sixth Sense and then this. Um, so I really like it. And I just feel like you never hear talk about it. It's got uh, Gene Smart in a meaningful small role. She's always great. So have you, have, you, have you guys seen this? Yes. I saw it, I think, when it first came out on video. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think I, am I that big a fan of Bruce Willis that I just saw everything with him in it? Uh, maybe it was just back in the days where we just saw everything, but I just remember it being very charming. Um, mm-hmm. It's Bruce Willis is a very you know speaking about all the stuff that's been happening with him lately. He's he's a very charismatic actor. Like he's he commands the screen. I it just it's you're right. It's it, it's kind of a sincere kind of thought process kind of movie about where we would be, where we're going, that kind of thing. I just thought it was, yeah, I don't have any bad feelings towards it. It's very good, solid movie, I think. 
Yeah, directed by John Turtletaub. Who, phenomenon, um, right? I think he did. Yeah, Phenomenon. Yeah, yeah uh, and um, While You Were Sleeping. Yeah, yeah. While You Were Sleeping. Sure, which I love. National yeah. Treasure. Yeah. Did he do National Tom. Treasure? I think you did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you, what do you think of it? Have you seen this one, Stanford? You know, yeah, I think I saw it, you know, once in the theater when it when it came out. I believe it, 2000? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that the year on that? Yeah, uh, 2000. And you know, thought thought it was thought it was pretty charming. I always thought that the title was weird that they were, you know, I mean, it like for us, like Disney's the kid. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but I can't. Re- I'm trying to remember. Did that have something to do with Charlie Chaplin? Yeah, I had to, I'm not sure why that oh, would maybe. be confusing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of funny because then it feels like they did nothing with yeah, it. Yeah. it. They brand it as their own, and yet could just kind yeah. of. Like, like Marvel's The Avengers, because they don't want to be associated yes, with yeah, that terrible exactly. Ray Fiennes, John Connery movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, not that Avengers. It's <laughs> okay, whatever. But I remember thinking, you know, that it was, you know, pretty charming. I, I like John Turtletop's style, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought that the, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think he directed Cool Runnings. Probably. From ninety from ninety three, but definitely while you were sleeping, that's you know that's that's one of the greats. But um, yeah, it's yeah, so he good. did he did but, cool runnings, three ninjas. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> nice. But it's you know it's a charming film. I think you know that's a good pick. Rage. Yeah, good message to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I just like the fact that it makes you think about kind of your life and what. Uh, what the younger version of yourself would uh would think yeah and of, of it so charlie chaplin's version of the kid was not this same story was no it? not at all i don't no, no. yeah i mean it, here's the crazy thing i am the only critic who has reviewed it on Rotten tomatoes one oh seriously yeah, <laughs> Wait, disney's the kid or yeah. chaplin's the kid Disney's okay. the kid. Disney's the kid. <laughs> yeah. Weird. One. Why? Wow. Weird. Well, maybe this will help and get the word out. And it has a audience. It has an audience score of fifty percent, which I just don't understand. Like, I can understand this not being like your favorite, but I just I don't really understand anybody that like actively dislikes this movie. It's it's such a sweet, um, lovely little story. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Right now. I'm the only critic on Rotten Tomatoes review. Hey, you know, that doesn't happen every day, right? Or you know, well, it doesn't have something to do with the Disney brand. Like the, the the there's like a stigma that goes with Disney movies that people just think because I don't know, like Disney movies, like the Touchstone, the Hollywood, they all have this kind of gloss to them that you I don't know. I can tell that they're Disney movies. It's weird, but do yeah, people yeah. just push back against that because oh, this is a feel good movie? I don't like that. Like what I. I it doesn't seem like this would be, I don't know, unless there's only two people. Like, you're one of the people that have seen it. <laughs> Maybe the other person yeah, didn't it like a, it. I don't know. Like, why would they? She said just because it's so underrated that nobody's seen it yeah. or knows about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. This is like a classic deserved case of underrated. Because people say things that it's like, no, there's actually like, a, that's, it's getting almost so underrated that it becomes sort of overrated at a certain yeah, point weird. <laughs> of certain things but not in this this is a truly kind of forgotten film and i think it deserves more love all right yeah. well excellent well darren what's your first uh 
movie in the in, in this top three underrated Disney. Films well, we're gonna go category. <laughs> I'm gonna do like uh, release order, which is weird. Starting with this one, I've got Aladdin and the King of Thieves is my first choice. Just, All just right. to, I know nice. it's um, it, it wasn't released at theaters, obviously, so it's an odd choice that it was a direct-to-video thing. I think the Aladdin TV series this served as like the unofficial series finale to it, like the end of the series yeah. and did this. Okay, but the big thing, obviously, with this is they got Robin Williams back as the genie. So there's, you know, just the interesting backstory. I, I don't know if you guys had you've probably seen Return of Jafar, right? <laughs> Which was yes. like, I, I can't remember if it was like a, either just a pilot to the TV series or if it was compiled from episodes of the TV series. I think I think it Seems was a separate thing, was. I okay. think. But, uh, but yeah, they tried to have um, uh, Dan Castellaneta, Castellaneta. Yeah, yeah. yeah, from um, Simpsons. Yeah, so he did the voice of the genie because Williams had this rift with uh, Disney where when he did the first Aladdin, he said, I would, I'll do it, but I don't want my name attached to it because i don't want that to be the selling point i want disney to sell himself sell itself and then katzenberg um you know we're all fans of him (laughs) there's a whole like Lindsay ellis does a whole video on it so it's it's an interesting thing that you guys or anybody could look up really Mm -hmm. but like there was just this rift and they made promises and there was just a fight and katzenberg kept trying to apologize and williams is like nope not not happening and i think when they switched um crowd i can't remember the uh who took over after katzenberg when he left um um i'm trying to remember joe ross Ross? so when katzenberg left obviously that (laughs) was a reason for like an open door so i think joe roth made a formal apology and williams they they patched things up and so he came back for this i know he was williams has paid for scale for the first aladdin which is so strange since he's that's the movie's whole personality i think or one of the major contributing factors but he came back for this and did like a like a million dollar uh paycheck for it which is nice but they'd already shot and, and recorded like dialogue with castellanetta and so but when you get robin williams back you're like sorry homer simpson you know so it's robin williams so they scrapped all his <laughs> material and just let robin williams come in and riff and you know so like i said it's weird picking this as a choice because it was direct to video and i know that the animation isn't quite at the snuff because they don't have the same resources or budget as like a big uh, budget film one of their classics, but I, I think the story is pretty well done. Like it's a trilogy capper. Like they end it with uh, the, the, the salesman, like at the beginning of the first Aladdin, he comes in and closes it out and Aladdin and Jasmine finally get married and Aladdin meets his father, you know, played by John Reese uh, Davies, which is a nice kind of Indiana Jones throwback. And it has a lot of cool stuff. Like they're going after, like, I can't remember what it was, but they're after this artifact that turns with the Midas touch, right? So it's his hand. If you touch it, everything turns to gold. And there's a really cool thing they do with the villain at the end where they make the villain uh, play by Jerry Orbach, I think, but they make him grab the hand and he turns to gold. And so it's just a whole bunch of neat little things and the heartwarming stuff. And obviously Williams in there, he just raises, even though it's a direct to video thing and it's low budget and, and kind of crappy quality looking compared to everything else, but he elevates just the, the fact that you have Williams there, like doing Forrest Gump impressions or Mrs. Doubtfire impressions or Groucho Marx or Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, all this stuff, just having him there just elevates that whole movie to a, to another level. I just, but I don't, I don't ever hear people talk about it. We hear people talk about Aladdin all the mm-hmm. time, but not King of Thieves. And I think it's, like I said, even though it's not quite at the snuff of the first Aladdin, it's, it's pretty good. And so I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're talking about the cheap holes, uh, <laughs> I think that it is definitely one of the like better yeah. ones I'd say of like the, the good cheap holes, I would yeah. say 
King of Thieves, I would say both of the Lion King ones are like watchable. They're, you know, they're decent in my opinion. Uh, Cinderella three is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And, um, they have in Cinderella three, they have Lady Tremaine get the, the wand, uh, fairy, the fairy godmother's wand. And, and then things go back. She goes back in hmm. time. And so that, uh, um, Drizella gets the, um, uh, uh, it, this ends up, um, making Drizella, uh, the prince falls in love with Drizella cause he's tricked. Anyway, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so then Cinderella and the prince have to go back and try to stop, stop this from happening. And, um, so you have kind of different timelines. It's, 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 it's pretty fun. Um, what other ones are, are like decent? I mean, both of the little mermaid ones are like not great, but like watchable, yeah. I guess. Uh, that, that would be probably the end of my list. Well, I think it's a case of like with me, like I, as long as the story engages me, I'm, I'm more forgiving of yeah. certain things. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if you look at like a Superman four or Star Trek five, like the story isn't engaging enough for me to overlook the shoddy special effects. Work yeah. but, you know, like I said, having yeah. Robin Williams in here, it just makes it so much, it just feels different because there's some of those that are just absolutely Crash, atrocious. Yeah. The, the, um, the hunchback of Notre Dame two is terrible. Mulan two is terrible. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of the Fox and the Hound cause it's a mid hmm. and they go to this like, um, country carnival. Interesting. And in the, cause they're like, they're still small and friends. And it's, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it is nice when you get one that was actually, you feel like there was some effort and they actually tried to make, um, make something. I think the, um, Kronk's, uh, we talked about that with, um, Micah, our guest, um, that the Kronk's new groove is, has some effort. <laughs> they tried. <Yeah. laughs> so anyway, I, I, uh, I can, I can see that our friends over at Rotoscopers, they really like king of thieves hmm. they're if you listen to their episode they are very excited about okay. it <laughs> what about you uh yeah. stanford you haven't said anything you know i appreciate you bringing <laughs> this up uh you know most of the cheap calls i just frankly just pretend that they don't yeah. exist you know yeah. i mean that's that's not healthy but it's just like <laughs> you know i i can't even believe that they that they you know i mean i can't believe that they made them and i think it's it's in part because they were just such uh they earn so much money, right? Didn't like the return of Jafar just like break every record as far as it made something. You know, I think it was like a, a five million dollar budget, and with the fifteen million VHS tapes, so that's like a profit of two hundred and ninety five million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's hard yeah. to tell because a, a lot of them were sold in in tandem with the original. Right, right. Okay, interesting. <laughs> just kind of fluffing their numbers, right? right? Still, yeah. I, I just remember I was so happy when they were able to, as you described, Darren, uh, kind of mend that uh, relationship with Robin Williams mm -hmm. and bring him back because that was, I thought, was such a gaping hole. I did, I, I, I've seen both of these, but I guess both the Aladdin sequels, Return of Jafar and then King of Thieves. And, and yeah, King of Thieves, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it was solid, particularly. For being a you know a, a direct video right as 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 they used to be yeah uh, called 
uh, and John Reese Davies, you know, as you mentioned, is is a, is a cool, cool addition. And and I remember thinking that the story was satisfying, you know, and just as, as you said, you know, it's the animation in these is not up to par with with the stuff that comes out of you know Disney feature animation. Right. But it's not trying no. to be either. Well, you know? the one uh, thing that I've noticed, the older that I get, is I look for sincerity in a lot of, like, if a movie's sincere, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll appreciate yeah. a little bit more. I I think we're, we all have our opinions about the live action remakes, which I've, I think I've told you guys, I've just sworn them off. I can't watch them because they're just, it's excruciating. Yeah. I support that choice here. <laughs> but the, these cheap cools, I love that you called them that, Rachel, but it, it's the same thing. It's like, it's a cynical exercise. They're just in it to make more money off of a IP, right? And so I've yeah. avoided them like the plague just because I don't have time for insincere stuff. And uh, I've heard Cinderella 3 is good, so I've been meaning to catch that one. But again, it's one of those things where, uh, it's a Disney sequel. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but having yeah. Robin Williams back was the big draw. And I think that's why... Yep. You know, I checked that out, and it's—he's not faking it. He's—he's he's Robin Williams in that. And like I said, like the animation's not as like Eric Goldberg, like keeping up with Robin Williams' improvisations in the regular in the real Aladdin, is amazing. Um, and so yeah. it's not like the animation's not quite there for this, but Robin Williams is there, and he's funny. He's really funny, and I, you know, so that's that's what kind of elevates that. So, well, excellent, and a good choice, and again underrated right and maybe even forgotten in a lot of in a lot of places so i think that both return of jafar and king of thieves are on disney plus yeah i think so i think okay. so yeah so might be worth checking. i think the kid is i was just gonna ask you H, is the kid well, on disney plus i i feel like i just recently heard that it was added but let me check why would it not be because so. the name disney is in the title <laughs> <laughs> I can understand, right. like you know, Disney's Pulp Fiction not being on. You know what I mean, <laughs> right? Well, you know, speaking of something that's not on Disney Plus, uh, my first pick is the is the uh, comedy, the live action comedy, The North Avenue Irregulars, <laughs> uh, from nineteen seventy nine. Uh, I remember seeing this kid this in the theater as a kid and and, and loved it, and every subsequent chance I, I i get to watch it i really enjoyed it. i recently rewatched it you know for this podcast it's uh it's not on disney plus so it's i i watched it i've got a i've got a dvd mm. of it but this movie i just think is 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 a really smart disney comedy it fits within the realm i mean you just see it and it instantly feels like a disney comedy but i i i always just thought it it was uh i don't know maybe a little smarter I don't know the right word. The right word would be some of these. I mean, it still, you know, relies on a lot of physical comedy and kind of silly gags. But it's about this uh, church. It's the North Avenue Presbyterian Church, and uh, they get a new pastor. I think is I think they call him a pastor, uh, you know, in the movie. But he is played by Edward Herman, and uh, he quickly finds out that there's some serious gambling going on in the city and he really wants to take it down. And so he, he brings in six of the, of his parishioners, six, these six women <laughs> who are an unlikely group of crime fighters uh, <laughs> and maybe not really equipped to do the job, <laughs> but they, they go about trying to, to, to take down this, uh, 
this uh gambling ring going on in their in their town and it's i just think it's it's an absolute blast now darren you just watched this for this is your first is this your first viewing of the north avenue regular no, well long story long like when my uh mom got married to my stepdad who i'm just i've just referred to him as dad now but when they first got married like he had a whole bunch of vhs tapes like you guys remember vhs right like you could record like three Absolutely. different speeds like a two hour speed which is high quality four hours is less than six hours which could record like three four movies on it Yes, <laughs> one of the uh, movies that he had was North Avenue Irregulars. It was on one of these tapes, and I, uh, you know, trying to, you know, bond with your father, with your your stepfather. Like I, I watched some of the movies, so I know I've seen it. That was back what nineteen ninety, so it's been about okay. thirty years. I know I'd seen it before, but I didn't remember anything besides I didn't mind it. Like it's one of those things, like you put the VHS in, and then what is this? And then I, you know, an hour and forty minutes later, like the credits start rolling. You're like oh, that wasn't too bad. And so I don't know. There yeah. was another podcast that I recorded like a few couple of years ago, and one of the movies that we watched was Midnight Madness. Yes, which was that is the weirdest it movie. Is awful! It's awful. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's so bad, and it's so so. Disney? Yeah, it's Disney. It was like yes. the first PG, and so they're when they re-released. I remember working in Suncoast Video, and that was one of the movies like Happiest Millionaire and midnight and uh, midnight madness and a couple of the movies they released and finally disney got over themselves be like, yeah this is pg and we we released it so but yeah midnight madness was just <laughs> terrible and so uh, again putting north avenue regulars i think i rented it off of amazon but i, I was like oh, i don't want this to be another midnight madness like what am i going to do but again an hour and 40 minutes later i finished i was like yeah that wasn't too bad that was actually funny like it's got it's silly and and um yeah it's Rachel silly. I know you said this in, in your review of it but it's silly and I don't I don't think it's you know it's just silly that's that's the kind of movie that it is right um a lot of the gags like <laughs> Cloris Leachman like in there like thinking that the reverend is propositioning her at one point <laughs> or or when the um I can't remember it's the uh, it's one of the girls um uh, Barbara Harris I think no no not, not Barbara Harris she's the mom yeah. Barbara Harris is Barbara Harris yeah. okay, is the no, mom, the rat. Right. No, no, no. It's mother. Uh, Karen Valentine, the Jane. Like she dresses up as a hooker, <laughs> and then they mistake her for a prostitute. <laughs> and her fiance yeah, sees her, like, and the mom yeah. disapproving. That's that's really funny. Like, the, just, yeah. My my favorite part is I love this movie. It's <laughs> it's such a good pick. Uh, I would have picked it if you hadn't picked it. And uh, and my favorite part is when they the tape recorder goes <laughs> off and starts playing the Andrews sisters yep. and they start singing and then later on <laughs> she says I don't even, we don't even look like the Andrews sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well that had a lot of funny lines. I like when they're sitting at that that uh, with the the burger place or whatever and one and Rafferty's like why didn't you tell me you're going to dress like that? We look like the Bobsy twins. And then the other woman comes up and or triplets and they're all dressed the same. <laughs> Uh, just a lot of funny a lot of funny gags and like the the demolition derby at the end and the uh yeah the, the michael the demolition derby at the end is always my favorite <laughs> michael constantine and... is well, the frazzled cop where he has to, has to get bedridden because it's causing so much crap. it's just it's silly I, I don't know. but it also has like quite a bit of heart because yeah. uh these women are you know are risking things they're stepping out of their comfort zone and uh, and and when the, I mean I don't know if we should say it, but when the tragedy happens uh, at the end, towards the end, that you you really feel for him and you feel bad for yeah. Edward Herman's character because he's got all these, he feels responsible for for the 
for the for his parish and uh and these women and uh, so i think it it is really funny I uh, I love when you see all of the the women doing their stakeout, like you have Barbara Harris at the grocery store, and she just keeps putting <laughs> just putting cereal boxes yeah. into, the, into the thing, and then her little kids go, "What are what's all that? Yeah. Leave mommy alone." <laughs> well, I I bring up Midnight Madness because that's such a rancid, like pointless, like there's no real message to it, and it's it's shoddily made on top of that I, this isn't like the best made movie like it does some things like a lot of the gags and the stunts like you'll see somebody drive off screen and then you hear a crash and then the next thing you see the the car is like through a building or another car so they do this thing that i think the police academy movies do that a lot with it you don't actually see the gags you see the aftermath of the gags that kind of thing mm-hmm. but what i thought was clever so clever is at the beginning the reverend reverend hill like he comes in and his uh his secretary um what's the secretary's name Susan Susan Clark. Clark. Yeah. She's so she's disapproving. She basically tells him like, what are you doing? Like when you do this stuff, you need to do it yourself. So you know that it gets done. Right. And the Reverend says, but I have a feeling that people want to get involved. And then they start picking up like the women, like they start getting involved. They want to do this. They want to do this thing for the church. They want to rid their town of gabbling. The, um, when the Susan Clark character is taking the, the, the pastor and his secretary and they want to go along with it. Oh, she's funny. Ruth Buzzing. Yeah, I love her. It's so, like, it's got a good message to it. I thought that was just kind of clever that, yeah, people do want to get involved and they do want to make a difference. And that's just the fact that it had that message and it was like that's impressive thank you for making me watch well, and this i game. love like obviously <laughs> hey, i'm glad you liked it this is not like a gritty no. portrayal of organized crime <laughs> but uh but it is pretty funny like when he has to get he has to take his pants off in yeah. order to go into the bedding room. right right only without pants yeah cloris um, <laughs> leachman's like press on nails uh, keep getting longer and longer it seems like oh yeah <laughs> And then, you know, I get spoiler alert when, you know, that point where she breaks him and she comes on yeah. hinge. Yeah. <laughs> I always love that. I just think, yeah. you know, Cloris Leachman is such a fantastic actress and comedian and, yeah. and uh, she delivers well, in this movie for sure. If people ask me what movie I would pick for them to do a, a live action, well, it's all live action, but a remake on, I often bring this one up because the the best remakes to me are ones that actually help people to become aware of the original film. Right. Um, That's when they can actually like do some good. And, uh, and I think that there's a lot of funny female comedians that you could use in a modern version uh, that, uh, that could be really funny. I mean, if you had, uh, I don't know, Mindy Kaling and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and, you know, like you got like a, a group Melissa McCarthy, throw her in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like that. You could you could make it pretty funny, and uh, and people would. I wouldn't mind it as much as some of these others because people would become aware of this movie where they're not currently, and it would probably go on Disney Plus and you know all of that. Yeah. So. You know, one quick note about Midnight Madness, if uh, I may. And then uh, let's never talk so, about it again, please. <laughs> yeah, it's so horrible. Oh, movie. it's awful, so, Rachel. Well, Rachel. I hadn't either. Oh. I didn't even know it existed until... So um, they haven't done this, for, I think, actually since Disney Plus started. But Leonard Maltin used to go on Turner Classic Movies once a quarter. And he'd do a Disney night. And I think they call it, like, Treasures from the Disney Vault. Mm-hmm. And he and I and probably some people you know from Disney would curate like six films 
and sometimes there'd be a theme and other times it was just like these are random Disney films that you probably yeah. you know, might you might not have seen. And they were, you know, they typically would have like a true life adventure film and then some and then and one of the and one of the nights they showed Midnight Madness and uh wow, what a horrible <laughs> film. But uh but uh, but I was did Malton turn it off halfway it. through? And say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is a well. What this was interesting is Malton Malton would introduce like the first three films, and then the next three they would just show because they were late. I mean, those are the, if if you wanted to watch those those last three films, you were staying up in the middle of the night. You know, I mean, and of course, all the stuff's pre taped, <laughs> and he uh, only did you know like for <laughs> he didn't do an intro to Midnight Madness. <laughs> Okay, anyway. I have seen it, but I haven't. I mean, I've seen the poster, but I I have never seen the movie. That's funny. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness! If you, yeah, you know, it's 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 pretty horrible. <laughs> but, uh, I can't even say I was glad to see it, but I guess you know, yeah, having your, uh, you know, see, just trying to see everything, you know, it's a I litmus test movie. Of, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay, well. Well, excellent. Well, excellent first round. So, Rachel, what's what's your next film in and uh, our underrated Disney films? So, my next one is called Something Wicked This Way Comes, mm. and every uh, October I do a Disney Scares Month, and this was one that I discovered from doing that. It's one that's not available on Disney Plus. I and most of they they went through this like darker period uh in the early 70s uh and where they were taking some risks and uh i can't think of the name of the head of the ceo ron miller ron miller yeah um anyway he was someone who was wanting to take some risks and or my so they, card walker was the yeah, ron ron miller was running the movies yeah so they yeah. did like watcher in the woods and something wicked this way comes and uh just a number of different uh films and i think this movie is really good i did a whole um really early on when i was just starting to write reviews i did a whole special um feature uh a review on it of why I thought it was a, an undiscovered uh, masterpiece. Um, I really love um, the, uh, I like um, Jonathan Price a lot in playing this, um, uh, this, what do they call him? Um, I should have my hair. Let me get the um, IMDb up. Oh, that's so right. sure. Jonathan Price is yeah. in it, isn't he? I haven't mm-hmm. seen this forever he, he plays mr dark that's the character's name he, he's this mysterious man who comes into town with this uh carnival and the in the in the carnival you can make your greatest desires come true and so you have all these people in the town there's one who uh is um uh is injured uh in um uh, in the war and he's very frustrated, but, um, so he, all of a sudden he's like healed. You have Jason Robards playing the, the, um, stepdad to this, um, little boy and, or I can't remember stepdad or anyway, you have Jason Robards who's playing this dad, but he has, he's really insecure because he feels like he's too old to be a father to this boy. And uh, so he's really insecure about that. And then there's also this other woman who feels like she's not beautiful. And 
So she gets made beautiful. And so all these different things keep happening, but there's like a price to pay for every single thing that happens. And, uh, and there's, there's little boy who's at the, um, uh, who's the main character, these two little boys and things get like scarier and scarier. And I just think it's super well-made. It's really, it's like legitimately scary. There's lots of scenes in these fun houses and, and <laughs> they're pretty scary. So I don't know if you'd like it, uh, Stanford, but <laughs> I, I think it's really well-made and, uh, and really kind of interesting to think about what's the thing that you would wish for the most. Um, it's based on a, um, I think it's based on yep. a Ray Bradbury yep. mm-hmm. book. Um, and it's just another one that people don't know about because it's, it's not on um, Disney plus and, and uh, I, I just think it's really good. As it only has a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I have no idea why that makes no sense to me, but is this, I have good memories of this movie. It's one of the ones I've been meaning to, to watch again, just because I, I didn't think it's surprising. That this is a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's i remember yeah. just being really yeah because well, it was in that yeah, period where they were trying new things right i just remember it being really stylish like the director he directed um one of my favorite horror movies the innocence from 1961 things deborah carr in it where it's you know, this woman that you don't know if it's her like sexual like awakening or some some stuff goes on where she she's thinks she sees ghosts around this mansion that she's taking care of but it's very good very stylish very eerie and so that i just remember something wicked having a good atmosphere like especially for a disney movie like it made an impression where mm-hmm. like i mentioned before like you see the, oh, the yeah. disney banner you're like well this is gonna go in, in one eye and out the other right but it's still i think there are images is there an image where it's somebody clenching his fist really tight and you see blood coming out of his through his fingers mm-hmm. okay i remember that mm-hmm. vividly yeah um, but my question i guess is it one of those things where is this one of those movies that grows over time like it was trying new things but people didn't get like they saw that it was Disney. And so they were like, well, this isn't, I don't know. Was it, there's some kind of like, we're, we're, I don't know if this, is, if there's like a cult following hmm. for this, but back when I reviewed it in 2016, I said, um, I compared it to stranger things that I think a lot of people yeah. that Whoa. really enjoy That's that yeah. series, uh, would really enjoy this. And, uh, um, let's see. I, let's see. I'm looking at my review. Well, while you're looking, it makes um, me angry that people don't know about this. <laughs> like this is underrated. It doesn't deserve to be on. It's, I don't know. I think, you know what I'm saying though? It's like, is this a movie that was yeah. ahead of its time and maybe people just need to go back and watch it again. See what it's. How it- I said in my review, I said, what was so great is not everything was explained. And I'm sure someone could point out plot holes and consistencies, but we are dealing with dark magic here. It really worked. There are some incredibly chilling scenes with everything from psychological scares to creatures in the night. Some scares were even quite devastating, like when Will's dad is confronted with his insecurities as a father or the school teacher in her lost youth. I cried, which is saying something for a scary movie. Everything works in this film. Cinematography is a perfect mixture of Americana and Burtonesque carnival Ooh. scenes. The, the music by James Horner is quiet when it needs to be. The sets and special effects h- held up and were scary, and the acting is top rate. Hmm. So, I have seen this. I saw. I saw it as a kid. Oh yeah, and I remember thinking it was really scary, but <laughs> but not like oh, scarred for life yeah. scary, but just like wow, that was a scary movie. But I I remember those carnival scenes were 
like effective. I, I, I'm glad you bring this up. I really would like to revisit this movie. I, I haven't seen it for yeah, many, many years. That'd be fun for your hundred year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're supposed. What are you watching? A hundred movies this year? Is that what the the plan is? Hundred. I picked. I curated a list of a hundred Disney movies, Darren. That uh, yeah. I'm watching just as a you know for a fun project. But um, it's also kind of a work in progress. So I might have to see this one because <laughs> it was because some of them are just more like I remember liking them as a kid, but I haven't watched them since I was a kid. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, this could be was is it on Disney Plus, Rachel? Or, or, or? it's not. <laughs> so you have to Okay. We're making yeah, all these really it's hard. Another to find. really underrated. <laughs> really underrated. Plus people need to start adding some of these movies. I literally, you know, you can go make requests uh, you know, on the on the website, on the Disney Plus Ooh. website for movies you want them to consider they adding. Watcher in the Woods. Yeah, on they Disney really Plus? should. No, nope. I don't think so. No, nope. that one I re- I watched. I recently we I I saw that one last year. It had been years since I had seen that. That is this is what's crazy movie. because we I I like that we, one. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. It we talked about Robin it. Williams like making amends. Like when he came back for Aladdin, King of Thieves, he also did Jack, which is one of the worst oh. movies I have ever seen, and that's on Disney yeah. Plus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if why they're going to have figure, Logan right? and they're going to have Deadpool, yeah, why not? then why can't they have some of these darker Disney yeah, films? Exactly. Get on it, Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> well, we'll just keep requesting, right, and see what they if they uh, listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darren, again, what was your experience with with this one? You you had had you seen it back in the day, or, or was this yeah? One... I think it was probably just on at some cousin's house. Like we're over and just hey, watch okay. this. It's pretty scary, and I I agree with you. Yeah. It's like it's not like. I'm not a fan of the gore porn stuff either. Like if, if there's a story to it, mm. then I'll be a little more forgiving of that stuff. But this, this is one yeah. of those movies that's just psychologically. And Rachel, you said in your review, which is perfect. It's like, maybe things aren't explained, but when you watch a horror movie, I don't want things explained. Like it makes it less scary. Like why have a whole movie about this uh, guy that owns like a motel. And then it turns out that he's been like, he, he absorbs the personality of his mother and like it, all this stuff comes out. And then you end the movie in like this five minute static, tv shot of this psychiatrist just explaining what goes on in like the uh, clinical terms like when you walk out of a movie like that like it's not scary like you walk out into the sun and you you're fine uh i think a horror movie needs to be unexplained so that a lot of these things kind of stick with you and you ask questions and it it unnerves you i think that's the whole point of horror so Mm -hmm. that's a perfect way of describing just you know, Rachel, reading that review would be like, I want to see this movie now because that's the kind of horror movie that I want to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Great pick, Rachel. Thank you. Okay, Darren, what have you got as, a, as, a, as your okay. second? Well, I, I did not. About. It's going to sound like I did this on purpose, but I remember when we first talked about doing this episode, like this movie was one of my first choices because it's one of those that I don't understand why so many people don't like it, but it's Meet the Robinsons from 2007. And, uh, you know, just congratulating you again, Stanford, on your 100th episode of Movies Past and Present. Oh, thank you. you. Which I thought was thank you. listening to it. I was like, well, that's weird. Like, he's interviewing Steven Anderson. <laughs> like, I want to talk about Meet the Robinsons. And so, you know, we talked about when we did our episode about DreamWorks, and we talked a little bit about Rise of the Guardians. And that's another William Joyce book. And I love mm-hmm. William Joyce. Like my kids grew up on Roly Poly Oli. And so his designs are very striking. I've always loved his designs. And so this is uh, what a day with Wilbur Robinson was the book that, but it, yes. it's very colorful and it's poppy and like bubbles. I just get pictures of bubbles whenever I think of William Joyce or circles, but this, you know, it's silly and it's, you know, it's about this orphan and he like his 
I guess it turns out the spoilers if you haven't seen it, but his son from the future comes back to kind of maybe correct things and help out uh, so that his dad does get a, a adopted or anything. So he goes back and and you don't find any of this stuff out till later, but like he meets his whole family and finds out that he has a place where he belongs. And it like it's silly. Like uh, there's a bunch of silly characters and stuff like that. But what, what raises this movie, I think, above and beyond most Disney movies is that Steven Anderson, who, again, is a very wonderful man from what what we've seen on Twitter and the conversations that you two have both had with him and from the, the conversations I've had with him today, of all things. It's like he was adopted as well as he was a child. So, Stanford, when you're talking with him in your interview, like I, I know he he started on Tarzan and then he moved to Emperor's New Groove and was the animating animation director. And is that what he did? He was the head, of head of story. Like he was, uh, uh, he was on the ground for Tarzan, right? He he was in like one of the first people. Oh, he he was on the story of Tarzan and then head of story over Emperor's. Right, right. And he, what was astounded yeah. me is that legendary screening of Kingdom of the Sun, where they decided just to overall, like he <laughs> yes. says, he was there. I was like, whoa, like this guy, this guy's great. And so when they offered him the job of Meet the Robinsons, like he got the script and was like, I have to do this because I'm also adopted. And I think there's a melancholy and there's a sadness to this movie that I don't think a lot of people recognize. They don't know. Like a lot of people don't know the behind the scenes stuff. They don't know that Steven Anderson was a, like an orphan was an adopted himself. But I, I think that informs this movie in a way that most animated movies don't. And so there's, like I said, there's this melancholy and at the end when he realizes he's going to have a family and he's going to be loved and it's just so heartwarming i just think it's got a great message like i said the designs are great the bowler hat guy is really funny it's got that uh the line that i always quote is when you know goob is imagining himself as a kid and he's like yeah and so it's like a flashback and you see goob walking through the halls and all these kids are like hey goob do you want to play after school hey goob that's a great folder hey goob let's go do this and then you hear in the voice go they all hated me <laughs> just because he's determined <laughs> to be just anyway so it's just it's got this real heart to it and it's got this real funny comedy and like i said it's silly but that um, biographical kind of feel to this movie. I think it just elevates it. There's something personal to this movie that's just beautiful. And it's, I, I just think that if people knew that they would be able to appreciate the movie in a, in a new light. Cause I don't think a lot of people really like this one for some reason. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is a very kind of messy yeah. movie. I think it, it's trying to do a whole lot. Uh, and, it, and it probably also got some of the stink of chicken yeah. little, you know kind of carry over yeah. uh from that uh, but it's pretty meaningful when you read creativity incorporated and you see the difference between uh the w what was happening during chicken little versus meet the robinsons and and especially at that when they talk about that uh they're moving forward yeah uh and uh and just that also makes it i think meaningful is the whole studio was kind of it was their first step kind of out of that yeah. mess uh that they were in and i i think that the bowler hat reveal really works i i yeah i, I guess i maybe it speaks to me as a fellow insomniac <laughs> but I, I, I understand yeah um, when we find when you figure out that it's goob right is the, yeah. the bowler hat yeah. guy yeah i think that it's it's a pretty good reveal the ending is very emotional yeah. You know, that he just watches and um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a pretty messy movie. There's so many characters. Right. There's so much going on. So 
that it's not perfect, yeah. but I certainly think it's, uh, I would certainly go fresh on it and it's, uh, I enjoy well, it for, you know what? what? I think the, me- I agree with you, but I, I also think that the messiness ties in with that theme of family. Like families are messy. Like I know people don't like a lot of the characters, but it's like, yeah, but that's family. Like you have all these weird like personalities and these kooky people and that, but they're family. Like you love them no matter what. I think that messiness, which like I said, I agree with, but I think that does still feed into the theme of what the, the movie's trying to say. Um, so that that works for me. I, so I, I get that pushback. The the Tom Selleck joke is is classic. <laughs> How is like yeah. was like what does your dad look like? Oh, Tom Selleck. And then it turns out at the end that he's voiced by Tom Selleck. It's just such a clever, <laughs> just a bunch of clever stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it is messy, but it's it's well meaning, and I just wow, like it just yeah. means a lot. It has a big yeah. heart, and that's a- it does have a big heart. And you know, I was so uh, I learned a lot from from my conversation with Steven Anderson about it because I I was seeing it off a lot through the lens of the creativity uh ink book mm-hmm. you know that Rachel brought up just because you know and, and Stephen mentioned this that that the, the the leadership just prior to Ed Catmull and John Laster at Disney was really dysfunctional. Yeah. And and uh I think they were making it really hard on the filmmakers you know i think that sounds like you know from what steven was saying is that they really had to fight to keep stuff in you know that they thought was gonna be important in the film even though they were getting notes from this dysfunctional management team to you know to take stuff out and and i appreciate it you know he he's a class act and he yeah. didn't he didn't really rip on anybody but uh you know, you, you you come in from the view too that the, the Laster and Catmull really were the saviors of it, which I think that they were. You know, but it also sounded like it added a, a whole level of stress too, because you know he had a whole bunch of notes from Laster mm. that he had to decide whether to incorporate or not, and it sounded like that was that was stressful in its own way too, which is which is something I hadn't considered. Right. Um, it just seemed like they got hope again. Yeah. Yes. And and it's just amazing what a difference that makes when people feel validated and they feel that uh there's that they aren't just sort of checking boxes that they're that their yeah. work matters. Well, exactly. Uh, and I think that even though it it made they had to work a whole bunch more, you know, or a bunch harder just, on this film. It still yeah. I think that made a huge right that that whole well, Steven, it's fascinating you know. how that kind of comes out in the actual end right, product right. because they weren't allowed to kind of express uh contrary opinions or um they they just had to kind of you know just do the the work. And, uh, and, uh, it's just interesting that when they were supposed to have no flaws is when they made the most flawed film in the history of the studio yeah. with chicken little or one of chicken them. Little. <laughs> which, which by the way, I know that we talked about like Oliver and company being my least, I think chicken little has dropped below Oliver and company. I can't, I can't think of that movie without just getting bad. angry, it's- but Steve, Steven, <laughs> I say Steven, like we're best friends, but like, yeah, he is a sincere guy. And I think he even said, in yeah, the, he is, even though they made a bunch of changes, like his core themes and his core characters were still there at the end. So they yeah. didn't make him overhaul yeah. that. I think it maybe just made it a little better and more focused. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I had heard, and again, this was, and I, and I was wondering if Steven was going to bring it up when we were talking and then, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, push him on it but 
I had I had read that the one of the biggest things that they that they added when you know after Laster and Catmull came in before and before the before the movie was released, that scene where um Wilbur I mean, when they go back in time, Lewis go back in time to the point of where Lewis's mother is dropping off baby Lewis at at the orphanage. Uh-huh. And he has an opportunity to engage right. with her, you know? And yeah, that's so uh, heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking, but what a great thing to yeah. add. You know what I mean? I just think that that, that really um, is such a poignant scene. And, 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 and I think one of the better ones of the film, I'm so glad they right. put it in. It's that heart just adds that extra heart. Yeah. It's that heart. Well, and Steven Anderson, he also co-directed Winnie the Pooh, which you, I think you could also make a claim of being underrated. Yeah, absolutely. Winnie yeah. the Pooh. No, not people watch Winnie the Pooh. I bet. I bet the, more people the, watch the 2011. Yeah, I bet one. more people watch that Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey than have watched any actual Winnie the Pooh. I know, <laughs> right? Ugh. That's really depressing. <laughs> uh, well, great choice, Darren. Anything else you want to talk say about Meet the Robinsons? Watch it seriously. Like watch it again through that yeah. lens of like it's it's from somebody that was adopted and just feel that sadness and that hope that they have at the end. It's just, get, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And that one is on Disney plus. Good. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can watch that one on, uh, on Disney plus. Well, well, my choice is, uh, my second choice is the rock yes. here, the live action Disney pick from 1991. Uh, I saw this. I, I, I remember it very well seeing it, you know, in, in, in 1991, I saw it at the Villa theater. In Salt Lake City, which is one of the great old movie houses, which doesn't exist anymore. It sells rugs. It's so sad. Yeah, the, at least the building is. The guy who who is who owns that rug store loves loves movies. He loved the villa, and, and he was at least able to save the building. But you know, they sell rugs instead of <laughs> instead of showing movies, which is a bummer. But uh, anyway, that it, it for me is this is just a, just a really fun movie. It's imperfect, but. I think I I recently rewatched it. It's on Disney Plus. It I think it's a terrific action film that holds up really well. Yeah. Uh, kind of a cool period piece, just directed by Joe Johnson, mm-hmm. and uh, set in Los Angeles in the late 1930s. So I I love I love that time period. I think that they did a really great job of of of, of kind of recreating the era. Uh, it also feels like a film that was made in the night, you know, from that, from that time period too, which I, I think I appreciate more even now, you know, 30, 32 years <laughs> later, uh, uh, that, that, and it was just with a lot more movies under my belt, you know, uh, that, that, uh, appreciate more, more where they were, where they were coming from, but it's what a cool, you know, a great cast, uh, Billy Campbell as, as the Rocketeer, it look, she looked like she was a teenager. She probably was. Jennifer Connelly, <laughs> yeah. you know, is in it. Alan Arkin, Timothy Dalton plays a great oh villain. Uh, anyway, I just I, I have a blast with this movie. I I really like it a lot. What's what's your take uh, on on this film, both of you? Yeah, I love it too. I think it's really entertaining, and uh, and yeah, I love the uh, the whole aesthetic of it old school superhero movie and yeah this is one i i kind of think of this in sort of sky high mm. kind of in a similar like oh, yeah they're both uh original superheroes sky high stories 
that are a, a lot of fun and, and they don't, you don't have to worry about it relating to a, you know, a cinematic universe mm-hmm. or you can just enjoy it on its own. Well, it's that nice. uh, Dave Stevens comic, um, which I think the Jennifer Connelly was like Betty Page. In that so it was a, and you're right. I think Jennifer Connelly was, was she 15 when she made Labyrinth? 15 or 16 so that oh, would have made her yeah. 2021 about this time it's funny watching jennifer yeah, I, think she's, I think she's early yeah, jennifer 20s. connelly it's funny watching her because they were marketing um i guess you could say parts of her when she first started out like that was her appeal and now she's yeah. become one of our best most solid versatile actresses who just commands the screen it's it's yeah. fascinating academy yeah, Award it's fascinating watching yep but this it's weird because, and I promise not to go on a giant tangent like I usually do when I bring up the word Batman, but that, <laughs> uh, uh, <please laughs> Batman, Batman in 89, it's, it's, everybody says this. It's weird that Batman was such a big hit that instead of doing like a Green Lantern movie or a Superman movie or, you know, all these, they just, they went back and started doing all these pulp, like radio comic strips, yeah. like the shadow and the, um, the yes. Phantom and Rocketeer, I would count. It's weird that they did that. But if you're looking, and the 90s are not a good, I guess the most the, the popular 90s comic book movies were those Batman movies, um, yeah. but, which are not great. A, a couple of them are pretty much terrible. But if, if you're looking at that, I think The Rocketeer, out of that whole decade, it's not just the best comic book movie of that entire decade. I think it's one of the best comic book movies, period. And I think that's because they commit to that period. I think it's underrated because instead of... So it comes from the same school as Indiana Jones, right? Like it's got a B-movie... It has a very feel. much an Indiana Jones right. feel but in, to it. Instead, too. Yeah. Indiana Jones kind of kitted those tropes and kind of made fun of them. So when you watch it, it doesn't... You watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, it doesn't feel old-fashioned because they've got a modern kind of sense of humor to them. So they, they kid those tropes. But Rocketeer kind of leans into them and doesn't kid them. It's very sincere and it's very um, – what's uh, the word I'm looking for? Just It's just – it's straightforward. There's, there's no – it's funny, but it's not like ironic stuff. And so I think that's where people kind of push back because it felt like really old-fashioned. But – Yeah, I mean it's kind of shocking. It's 67% whoa, no, on Tomatoes. that's wrong. Wow. This is such a lovely, lovely movie. And this is what got him the job for Captain America, got Johnson the job. And this is a much better movie than Captain America, uh, even though Captain America, I do like that one a lot. But you, you, yeah, this 65 percent audience score, what? fifty thousand ratings. Happening? Isn't that surprising? Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely underrated. I have to add my review. Holy mess! I say that's why it's underrated. That's why we're talking about it, right? <laughs> it does have you bring you Literally. bring this up on Twitter? It does have an appreciation. So maybe those people need to get on and review this movie. Sixty-seven is this should be in the eighties or the nineties. Definitely it's ridiculous. And then it's yeah. funny too, Stanford, because um, the the woman that plays the sea, uh, what is it, the the South Sea singer, Melora Hardin, who Melora yeah, Hardin, she was also yes. in North Avenue Irregulars. North Avenue Irregulars. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I the Reverend's daughter. I saw that right? too, and I and I yes, I had forgotten. That. <laughs> I was wondering if you did that on purpose, but it's it's better that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was just a great little connection, and then you know she. I didn't really realize. I mean, I didn't know anything about her until the office. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I, oh yeah, look at you know what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. And in the Rocketeer, she plays the sing- the nightclub singer, and she's yeah. terrific. I think that's know? even her singing, uh, right? 
Yeah, as, as, as I recall, that's her scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that that sixty-seven uh, makes me angry, Rachel. <laughs> me too. Frustrating. Wow. Now I have to review yeah. it because I, I need to. Like, Thank you, Rachel. My... <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Well, so back to you, Rachel, then for our uh, number three of our top three underrated films. Yeah, so I wanted to pick one of the canon films because uh, Stanford and I we we you know reviewed the whole canon yeah. and um, and uh, what which one I think is underrated uh, and there there are a number I could have picked I could have picked the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh because I think it's just sort of dismissed as a you know something for little children when I think there's a lot more to it than that uh, I I think that. 2011 Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> There's a couple others that I would say Frozen 2, I think, is underrated. Um, but I I think I would go with The Great Mouse Detective wow. because I, I think it's very entertaining. It's very well animated. You've got the very beginnings of the uh, com- you know computer animation in there. It's like legitimately scary. Uh, I think the Radigan's a great villain. Very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent Price, it's a great, you know, great voice work uh, in there. Um, it's at 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Better. Uh, it's better, but still not certified fresh. So I think it should be higher than that. I just think it's a very entertaining film. I mean, really, the only thing I guess I don't like about it is the uh, mouse stripping scene is not my favorite. <laughs> Rachel, you got to tell the story about it. Yes. So we love, in my family, we're a big Sherlock Holmes family. Yes. My Particularly, my dad loves uh, the Jeremy Brett masterpiece, um, Sherlock Holmes mm. from the 90s. If If you haven't seen that, it's very good, very entertaining. It's like an old-fashioned, you know, version of Sherlock Holmes. But we love Sherlock Holmes in our family, and uh, and so we really enjoyed this, and we watch it quite a bit. And when I was reviewing the canon for the first time, I <laughs> was watching this movie, and I'm like, "What is this scene with this mouse stripper? I don't <laughs> understand." And I, "Let Me Be Good to You" song. And uh, I called my mom and she was like, oh, yeah, we always skip that part. <laughs> um, so I'd never seen that before. And, uh, and so I was kind of joking. I'm like, it's called parenting. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I think this is really entertaining. And it's kind of a shame because you think of all of the cheap quills like that, that, that this would have been the perfect one to actually make sequels of. You could have a whole bunch of different cases and uh, it would have been easy and fun. And, but it just shows that they, there was no like demand, you know, for it wasn't seen as one that would be profitable. Um, So they never did. But, uh, but I, I know, I just think this is kind of a forgotten movie and uh, I, I think it's really excellent characters uh, even has a funny villain song, um, beautiful animation. The, the clock tower scene at the end is great. Um, so yeah, if people haven't seen it in a while, it's, it's, it's really good. And uh, it's the, um, it's a, uh, you know, John Musker, Ron yeah. Clements, who would then go on to make the little mermaid uh, in 1989. Hmm. Which is yeah. not underrated because no. it's so good. 
here I am just continuing to fanboy over uh, Steven Anderson. But in in that discussion I had with him, you know, he's writing a really interesting book that talks about the history. Uh, it's basically the dark years at Disney from 1966 when Walt died to 1986, which is when Michael Eisner and Frank Wells and Jeffrey Katzberg really started going. I think Cass, I think Eisner, Wells, and Katzberg started at Disney in 1984, if I'm not mistaken. But this book is going to go mm-hmm. from 66 to 86. And when, Stephen talked about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, well, The Black Cauldron came out in 1985. And so I think that this movie got kind of mixed in with that as far as like animation isn't successful. Animation is, uh, is they're kind of down on animation. What Stephen, what Stephen said, if I'm not mistaken, Rachel, in the, in, in my discussion with him is that, uh, that because of the Black Cauldron, Eisner and Katzenberg were just like, weren't even sure that they were going to keep the animation division going. Mm-hmm. And I did ask him about that, the Katzenberg cut, Rach. And he hadn't, Stephen Anderson hadn't seen it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's one that you and I, yeah. want to see, we want to see of the Black Cauldron. Yeah, it and does say on Wikipedia, it says that the film's timely success has been credited with keeping Walt Disney Animation going uh after the previous film's failure by renewing upper management's confidence in the department yeah. thus ron setting the john. stage for the density renaissance it's because of ron and john ron and john mm-hmm. pitched this movie you know steven was saying and katzenberg and eisner decided okay you know let's 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 give it a shot and and because of the great mouse detective you know i believe this is is why you know we got the little mermaid and and the Disney Renaissance. So mm-hmm. that's a really cool pick, Rachel. And I, and I think one that is probably more significant than really any of us realize. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird that it's sandwiched in between two of the worst Disney movies. I remember when I was doing my, my yeah. animated 50 and like, <laughs> I just got so down after, after, yeah, after Black Cauldron, I got so down. It was like, this isn't, this isn't great. Like, this isn't good. And then this is like a bright spot. The, the animation's still not um, Little Mermaid level yet. But it's it's right. a bright spot after Black Cauldron. It's like whoa, like this is what we're talking about. Even though I think American Tail came out at the same time as this because they were obviously Don Booth is competing, so you had two mouse led uh, movies kind of competing with each other. But it it was successful enough, Rachel, like you said, that it kind of bolstered there. And then I think I wrote in my review that it's like it's funny because you have after Black Cauldron like kind of ruined the studio for a little bit. This was like a corrective. Um, step in the right direction only to drag them way back down with Oliver and company way <laughs> down, which, you know the animation is not like i said it's not quite little mermaid level to this but it's still charming i love that it takes place in that like a side story to sherlock holmes and yeah, Rachel, yeah that, so mentioning clever. why don't they do all these how many sherlock holmes stories that they could just adapt with with basil instead mm-hmm. it's like wow the possibilities are endless for this it'd be so fun yeah, in the introductory scene when uh, Flavisham is uh, is abducted and the little girl is watching, has to watch this all. It's terrifying. It's very scary, and uh, and so you know, especially these days where Disney's so scared of being scary or having any kind of villain at all, yeah. it's it's refreshing to see. And I mean, with Oliver and Company, they were kind of testing a lot out, so I kind of give it a 
a little bit more of a pass than you do, but <laughs> still don't love it. But um, but they were kind of it was sort of they were they were testing music, they were testing musicals, they were testing adapting a classic story, uh, different things. But uh, but uh, yeah, they, I think this one uh, just kind of has been forgotten by time, and I think it's good. Well, you know, one of the <laughs> no, no, oh, sorry. go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't not keep bad mouthing Oliver and company. I, I agree with that. It's just, it's just so strange that you have great mouse detective, which is great. And then Oliver and company, which is opposite of great. And then little mermaid, which is like even better. So it's, it's having yeah. Oliver and company in the middle there. just makes it look worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing too, for me with the great mouse detective, I remember the first time I saw it in, in 86, I was so dazzled by that climactic battle in act three uh inside big yeah, ben the, the cg animation and, right the first one you know, the first time right that was the first time that disney was using that cg uh you know the uh, pixels yeah. thing they call yeah, it right it, it looks so it cool does. and i think it still holds up really well it looks i think it looks just amazing well i think when you do like innovations and stuff like that that's always going to stand the test of time because if it breaks rules yeah. when it starts off it still it makes it timeless in a way i think yeah. What a great yeah. pick, Rach. Uh, what, all right, Darren, what's your number three? Okay, so <laughs> I was debating because I wanted to do a live action one, right? Um, so I was debating yes. on whether to do this one or Return to Oz, which kind of, I don't know if I mentioned that one during our Something Wicked This Way Comes Come, but I think those would make a great double feature because of Disney trying to. And, you know, I was looking at a list of all the live action ones, and the only ones that really impressed me in there were um, Something Wicked and Return to Oz, just because they're so stylish. And they've, they've got, mm-hmm. and they stand above and be uh, apart from most of the other Disney movies at the time. But we already covered Return to Oz for one of the episodes of Nostalgia Cast. So I didn't want to, like, talk again about it. If anybody wants, they can go listen to that. So, and again, I don't know if this is underrated. I remember asking you guys, but I, I wanted to talk, since I already talked about Return to Oz, I wanted to talk about Tron Legacy. Just because I don't, I I know it's, like I said, it's getting worse, said before about uh, Rocketeer getting resurgence. I think Tron Legacy, there's a lot of people that are more and more appreciating it. But I think what makes this movie underrated is all the stories about how it underperformed, even though it made a lot of money for the studio. It didn't make enough to warrant like a third Tron, which I think they're setting you up for. Having Killian Murphy in there, obviously, is is, you don't just have him in a movie just to be in it. Like you're setting something up for that. But underrated and, and again it's a, this is a joseph kaczynski movie his first movie which after top gun maverick i wanted to talk about that too just about his trajectory yes. but I, I don't know like i'm not a fan of the original tron i think it it looked dated from when it first like entered the scene it's, you know it's this newfangled stuff but it just kind of looked cheap and weird i know that's kind of maybe heresy but the look of <laughs> the, the problem with Tron Legacy is it looks and it sounds like the the soundscape and the music are great, but I can't tell you what the plot is. <laughs> I I can't tell you the names of a lot of the characters. I don't like all that stuff is like so mundane, and you've seen the, all that those story beats so many times before that I think this movie would benefit if it was made into a silent movie with the the daft punk score where there's no dialogue and you can just discern whatever plot you want from it i just think that this movie is it's dazzling to look at it's just gorgeous from you know it switches to the imax format when it goes to uh the, in the, the computer world but all those yeah. um and you know olivia wilde's eyes are probably the, the movie's best special effect but like the whole movie is just so 
it's like I said, it's gorgeous to look at and it's just to, to soak it all in and soak in that world. I love that. Even though the story is mundane, does that make sense to both of you? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I, I thought that the story was, was weak, but the visuals were just mesmerizing. Yeah, so like I said, it'd be better if I, if you could turn off the plot. just yeah can we have the music only version (laughs) that'd be great i think i don't know i just yeah and i don't know do you think there was there's obviously a lot of care that went into top gun maverick and it was all a team working to something working to make something timeless and i think that worked it wasn't just kaczynski it wasn't just Cruz. it was mostly Cruz. But like just everybody trying to make a good, solid movie. I don't know if they did that with this one. Like if they gave it the same kind of care, but yeah, that's a good point. But I still think I still admire Joseph Kaczynski though, you know, with the work that was done in Tron legacy, because albeit it's a very imperfect script, but, and I know, as you said, it's it's collaborative, but I, I I still thought he delivered a really cool movie. And then, you know, talking maverick is just yeah come on right fantastic <laughs> yeah yeah the, so yeah know. that's if we had to get tron legacy to get top gun maverick great but i i think this i don't know rachel what what do you think is this is this a visual dazzler for you oh yeah it definitely looks great uh yeah the story didn't do a whole lot for me <laughs> i was just kind of like they weren't focusing on they were just focusing on the visuals yeah. not the script uh, but, uh, but yeah, I still would definitely, I think, recommend it. Um, and that, uh, and the music is also great. There's like, there's not really a lot to say, but I like it. The themes and whatever, like I said, they're just on repeat from other movies, but it's just to turn off your brain and just let it just drink it in and be dazzled, you know, by this visual feast that you're getting. Mm-hmm. I, and the, I love this movie for yeah. that, just for that reason. And the Daft Punk, isn't yep, isn't yep. Yeah, Daft they Punk? Yeah, very very pervasive oh. score and very good. <laughs> Got a lot of memorable melodies in there. Now, mm-hmm. I I know that there's been just rumors on and off for years about a Tron three. I think that that Jared Leto or as I'm saying, is it Leto mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Who cares right. how you pronounce it? <laughs> I think there's going to be Tron 3. You know, at least I don't know if I has it been greenlit or is it just are they just moving forward with it? But there's some I can't even is it Tron Ares or Eros or something? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it, the, it's the, been the working swirling around for a while. Is. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see Fingers here. Cross, like make it is what I yeah, think. Tron Ares. <laughs> Please make yeah. this movie. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Tron 3, moving forward with Jared Leto. This is as of January 2023. Okay. Uh, so. Well, while we'll he was see. promoting. Please. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it was 2022. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Talking about uh, the next Tron movie. But I'm with you. I think this is really, I think it's really underrated and, and just an absolute yeah, trip. Just a stunner. I like, you know. I'm I, I'm a big junkie of uh, of the original Tron, but I'm with you. It it looks so weird and it's so <laughs> in, kind of inconsistent between those really kind of amazing for the time visual you know visual effects and then their weird kind of 
uh, day glow, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> stuff going on when the, when it's the actors in there, but still, I, I, I just loved, I love Tron soup to nuts. And I, uh, I think it was a wonderful. Yeah, I know a lot of people like it, so I don't mean to, you know, step on those people, but yeah, just <laughs> no, I, but I think it is underrated, yeah. you know, and as you said, it earned a bunch of money, but just, 500 million wasn't enough. You know? Isn't that a weird <laughs> world that make. we live in that 500 million is? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, it does have 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So right down the middle. Right down the mm. middle. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, my uh, third pick is uh, Atlantis, the Lost Empire. <laughs> and uh, this one was tough for me too because I wanted I wanted to you know, I was hoping to pick an animated one. I have such mixed feelings about this movie. I was surprised that you picked this. Yeah, because uh, I think from uh, this style over substance is what what I came up with because I love the look of this movie and I love the potential of this movie, but I just think it kind of fell apart, you know, as, as Rachel and I have, have discussed, there's, I think there's a ton of issues with it. And I think that's why it's underrated. Well, maybe not so why, why it's underrated, but just, it's probably just not that well liked because it's not that good of a movie, but I, I don't know. There's still just a lot to, to like about it for me. Uh, I think the world building is really cool. And, I also just like that Disney tried to do something different and make an, make make an original adventure movie, even though you know they, they swung big but struck out. Um, I, I think particularly it, for me, it falls apart in the third act. But uh, still, though, I, I, I'm just dazzled by by uh, by the animation and the ambition of the movie, even though it it it. it falls short what do you both think well, Rachel, i want to get your thoughts but i don't i don't want this to uh devolve into a, a let's let's bag on stanford for liking the rescuers type of conversation <laughs> but, but rachel why did you say you were surprised that he picked because i didn't, this? I I didn't, didn't think the rescuers <laughs> well thank you for not picking yeah, the rescuers. that's true that's <laughs> true i am kind of surprised he didn't pick the rescuers but um but i just didn't think that you liked this kind of at all so i was surprised to that you that you would pick it as underrated um uh yeah i mean i have to admit when i first did my first canon ranking i really enjoyed this a lot because it's so different than in you're in that kind of rough period uh, if you're doing a chronological ranking and uh and i think that you can have sort of pulpy fun uh, with this movie uh i you know like some people will say they're they're stereotypes they can also be described as archetypes, depending on how you you feel. I think they're in general pretty funny and fun. The different characters, somebody like Helga is is in an enjoyable archetypal character. You know this uh, this, and then the other the other characters, and there's some fun action. But uh, then, so I actually was pretty high on it the first watch through of the canon. Um, when I first saw it when it was in theater, they didn't like it at all. So I've had this kind of up and down relationship with the movie. And then I saw it for the second time I watched the canon and I was a little bit less, it had sort of less of that newness kind of feel for me. Um, and then when I, we watched it together, <laughs> I, I do feel like the, his, 
his grumpy perspective kind of rubbed off a little bit on me and I was like pretty down on it. I think that viewing and I was just, uh, I was just like, Oh, this is not good. This is a bad story. Um, they kind of waste the great animation. Um, and so I've had this interesting kind of relationship with it. I, I do think that you can watch it for now, now having seen, uh, seen strange world. And I really didn't care for that film. Uh, I think that, that I would rather watch Atlantis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then, um, then strange world. And so yeah. and now I'm kind of feeling sort of more positive about it. So I've had this, this, this thing with this film. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think that you can watch it and have kind of pulpy action adventure fun with the movie. And I appreciate the nods at anime that, that it has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the story could be better and the characters could be more fleshed out. And Milo's kind of a bland leading guy. You know, I I honestly think Strange World influenced my yeah. current thinking on Atlantis. <laughs> uh, because I was wanting Strange World to be kind of the, that pulpy style of adventure that I think it maybe set out to be, but then it just it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I just and this it's just really it's just the, the the visuals. I think that everything from the you know the, the the submarine they created to all the vehicles, and then just how Atlantis looks. Uh, I, I I just anyway for whatever reason I'm I'm the pendulum has swung to be more positive. Because <laughs> I agree with you. I I have been grumpy about, it. and I think my grumpiness is really rooted in disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got the the Mike Mignola kind of it, so it's a striking oh, those look. Mike Mignola, like angular yeah, shapes, yeah, like yeah. their hands are huge, <laughs> like Hellboy kind of shapes on it. The, yes, I don't, I don't mind this one. I think I gave it like a B minus or a C plus when I reviewed it for the when I was doing my own uh, run through. It's the the two things I'll say about it is it's this is a stealth remake of Stargate. <laughs> like it's got the same kind of story beats and the uh michael j yeah. the milo character is the same as the spader character and it's got like the rough and tough uh army guys and so yeah it's it's definitely a remake of that if you look at the little story beats and then the other thing i'll say is you know we call maybe anastasia the closest that don bluth ever got to making a disney movie like the aesthetic of a disney movie i think uh atlantis is the closest that disney ever got to making a don bluth movie <laughs> just because it's 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 yeah. it's a boy's own adventure. It, it's just weird that it's it's uh, geared just toward the boys and not really towards, you know, something like Tangled, which is all encompassing. Everybody can enjoy Tangled, right? Like girls, boys, old, young. And this is just geared, seems to a specific kind of mindset. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's kind of limiting there. But, you know, the design is striking. It's, it's a likable movie. There's nothing really wrong with it other than it's just kind of. Um, not as memorable as story-wise and character-wise as some other things, but yeah, uh, like I said, it's a striking movie to look at. <laughs> well, I appreciate your 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 uh, your uh, you know thoughts on this, and again, thanks for not you know piling on me too hard. <laughs> I probably deserve that, but again, again, I didn't. It's much the better than the rescuers, so. Stanford. So <laughs> <laughs> I knew that I, that wasn't even an option. <laughs> <laughs> but you do so think I'd, it's very underrated so i wouldn't yeah, have had a problem if you had you would have been it. less surprised <laughs> if he picked the rescuers no no, no i wouldn't have surprised yeah. at all <laughs> yeah i'm the only person in america who likes the rescuers <laughs> 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 uh, 
only person we've uh, found so far. So if you're out yeah, there, right. please. Yeah, please write in so Stanford right. doesn't feel so alone. Uh, <laughs> exactly. This has been so much fun. I could just talk to you both for hours. So thank you. Thank you for your, your insights, for your really cool and thought-provoking picks. I really, uh, this has been so much fun. I appreciate you both. We aim uh, to please so much. Rachel, uh, well, thank you. You did, you know, you delivered. And then some. Rachel, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes, and at the Hallmarkies Podcast. Hey, Darren, where can people find you online? The best place to find me again is on Twitter. I'm just at DW Lundberg, Nostalgia Cast. Uh, we're in the middle of our season that I don't know if it's ever going to end because we're having so much fun talking about 90s movies that we love. So um, still trying to find a way to get you both on. We're just trying to figure out because <laughs> we've got so many people and so many episodes in the in the in the queue that we're just, I'm just trying to look for an opening. So I'd love to love to have you. Thank you, Darren. Count me in for any time. I, I, I love, I love your podcast. Love the work you guys do. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you both. And here's to many more great Disney movies and movies to come. Yeah. And if you're all listening, let us know what you think of our underrated picks. Yes, absolutely. And what you think of the rescuers. <laughs> that's right <laughs> there's another person out there i'm, I'm just like penny on the boat <laughs> hey well thanks again well that does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast many thanks again to rachel and to darren uh, again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are also on the blog. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is at moviespap. As always, I hope you will enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Thank you.